Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, Associate Editor at The Tracking Board, and this week I am only joined by one of my fellow podcast hosts because HT lost her voice yesterday marching at the Women's March in Washington. So pretty good reason to miss the episode, wouldn't you say? Yes, and I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. I was like, should I introduce you? Should he introduce himself? And got into a weird place there. Yeah, it was, you know, we had to, we had to explain HT's absence and then that I'm also still here, so. It was uh, like, also people should know who you are by now, so. They should. They should know that I'm the third Millennial Falcon co-pilot. But that doesn't mean, but we're all equal. Yeah, of course. Not yeah. like third and No like one's a, a host and then a co-host. We're all co-hosts. Yeah. It's like being co-vice presidents of a company. We're all vice presidents. We're all co-hosts in our cohort. Yeah. Our cohort. Great. Our cohort <laughs> is not here. Um, so it's just the two of us this week. Um, yes. And Willoughby, what are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be doing our monthly millennial movie review of Woo-hoo! Hidden Figures. Summertime in Virginia was an oven. All the kids eating ice cream with their cousins. I was studying while you was playing the dozens. Don't act like you was there when you wasn't. So, Hidden Figures is a movie that came out um, early release on Christmas and then January 5th, like everywhere else in the nation. And it's making a bunch of money, which is great. And this is why it's great. Because it's a movie that's based on a true story of a team of African American women who provide NASA with important mathematical data needed to launch the program's first successful space missions. And so, basically. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a story that's never been told on screen before. I didn't even know about this before the movie was out. It, this is based on a book, which is based on a true story. Um, and it's the movie's Hidden Figures. It was um, directed by Theodore Melfi. It was written by Alison Schroeder and Theodore Melfi. Um, it stars Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet, among um, uh, other people like uh, Kevin Costner and uh, Mahershala Ali and uh, Kirsten Dunst, and the guy who plays Sheldon Cooper, Jim, Jim Parsons. Parsons. And Jim Parsons... Who is a great actor and better than he's dumb he, CBS show. He's above the Big Bang Theory, definitely. Yes. Um, but it was really funny <laughs> to, to watch the trailer and see, like, oh, Sheldon Cooper's a racist. <laughs> Wonderful. Very, yeah, it's, like, it's very interesting. But that's the movie that we're going to be talking about today. Um, we should mention the three women that the actresses Willoughby mentioned are playing. It's uh, Catherine G. Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson. Yes. So we can give them some kudos for their real life accomplishments. Which of course, are of course, which are amazing. And we'll get into that. Um, so basically, um, Anya, what are what are your overall thoughts on the movie? I love this movie. It made me feel good it made me feel excited and inspired and hopeful um i had a really great time watching it you know it was really fun because it was one of those things where the theater was packed yeah and everyone was clearly enjoying themselves and like reacting to things and when something awesome would happen we kind of cheer for the women yeah i had, this, we I had the same together i had the same crowd uh, the same so type of like, crowd yeah it was a great communal experience that everyone could really enjoy and be inspired by together um you know like it wasn't the greatest film in the world to me as like film capital f like all those kind of things like 
I thought its pacing was a little awkward at times mm-hmm. and stuff, and it was a little too long. But at the same time, those aren't the reasons I was going to see a movie like this. Yeah, you weren't. You, if I mean, it's a, it's a. I wouldn't call it a biopic. It's a slice of history. Yeah. Um. So like, I would I wouldn't fault it for like compressing historical details and to to make it more of a movie because that's what you have to do. Oh no! Yeah, and that's fine. Um, it was for me. It was like not like the best made film I've seen ever, mm-hmm. but like also that's okay because that's not why this movie's important and that's not why you watch this movie. Yeah. So those kind of flaws I can easily forgive in like another movie that maybe wasn't as important where those flaws would be more glaring. Yeah. In this one, it was just kind of like, you can kind of gloss them over because like who cares when you're watching this really incredible story about these three black women that aren't, that hasn't been told and it's not often told in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So what did you think? I loved it. Um, I had a similar experience to to you with the, the crowd. Like, I, I took my girlfriend to see it, and it was a lot of fun. We were just, like, watching this movie, and just, like, the crowd was, like, cheering on when things would happen. And, like, that moment where she, like... Uh, and I guess we should say spoilers for Hidden Figures, of course. <laughs> and also, it's a historical fact. Um uh, it's a it's a movie and so there's that part where she's like uh yelling at kevin costner's character f- about the blatant racism that's going on in her office um where she has to run across uh nasa for in langley for 45 minutes to yeah. find the um the bathroom the bathroom um and, and by she you're talking about katherine johnson which yes is I explain. Henson's character. yeah um and so she's uh katherine johnson is trying to get you know her work done, and then she has to use the bathroom. But the bathroom, the white, the white, she couldn't, she can't use the white women's bathroom, so she has to go across to where she used to work um, with the other human computers that they're called. Um, all the women who are doing the math um, and crunching the numbers and stuff, they are in a separate building, um, and she has to use that bathroom. Um, and so she basically just said, you know, airs her grievances, um, and. Like, that was, like, a moment when I was just, like, I turned to my girlfriend, I was, like, oh, my God, that's yeah. insane, that's great, this is, like, this is so good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a, you could look at that moment and be, like, it's the stereotypical Hollywood moment in a, in a movie like this, but it works. It works you know? so well. It works so well. Like, um, the crowbar that Kevin Costner uses to take down the sign might have been a little much, especially that's the- when only moment in the film that I was like it was a little white it like bordered on that white savory yeah but then like he had a good reason which is that we're this is you know this is just we're trying to get people into space like there's no need for racism here yeah there's never a need for racism but like there's like there shouldn't be here yeah like what really saved it is that he wasn't doing it based on some like moral high ground of civil rights he was doing it purely to make the job get done faster and it was very like he was very much a pragmatist in that way. Um, yeah. I will say kind of what made it a little like you were bordering on eye rolling was the fact that he had like a big crowd to like see this white man do something. Yeah. That was the only thing I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I really liked how um, they showed with kind of the other like white characters, like Jim Parsons was sort of like blatantly disrespectful to Katherine Johnson, both because of her race and her sex. 
Yeah. Um, she was the only woman working in that office besides Kevin Costner's assistant and women at that time, assistants and secretaries, you know, she was the only woman working in there, like doing math and doing science. And she was figuring out things that the other men couldn't figure out. And Jim Parsons was clearly uncomfortable with that. And like yeah. his was more blatant. Whereas I thought it was really interesting with Kirsten Dunst as like a white woman and her being like, like, I don't hate you people. Like, I'm not racist, but... Yeah. And when Octavia Spencer's character, Dorothy, has that great moment where she's like, I know you mean well, or like, you think you do. Yeah. But you clearly don't, because internalized racism and misogyny are real things. Yeah, and like, there's a moment where um, Octavia Spencer finally gets the supervisor job that she wants. And that's when Kirsten Dunn's like calls her by she says mrs vaughn instead of dorothy which which was a very it's a very interesting like um like it's not highlighted that that's like a a moment but it it is like yeah um that you know you don't really realize that yeah she should she wasn't calling her mrs vaughn or anything beforehand but until that was pointed out yeah it's i like how intersectional this film was yeah. Like, it dealt with racism, it dealt with sexism, it dealt with kind of sexism within women, like with Kirsten Dunst, um, or the kind of, like, feelings that she, the discriminatory feelings that she had internalized just growing up, like, a privileged white woman. In the, in, in the 50s. Virginia, most likely. Yeah. Um, in the 50s and 60s, so... Uh, I think we should also point out the fact that we have a Moonlight reunion in this movie. Yes. Uh, with Mahershala Ali and Janelle Monae. They both played um, uh, characters in Moonlight. Uh, and now they're, and they're also in Hidden Figures. So, and they're both... Both movies are Janelle Monae's first movies. Like, she wasn't yeah. in anything before. Like, Moonlight she came is. out first. So that was her first movie. And then Hidden Figures is her second movie. So she's yeah. like two for two right now. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the characters um, before we kind of get into, like, the themes and everything. Sure. Um, we should talk about Catherine and Dorothy and Mary and just how great they are. And I like the movie kind of clearly highlighted all three of them and, yeah. like, their kind of struggles and accomplishments. So with Catherine, as we said, she was pulled to kind of Kevin Costner's team, which is basically figuring out, like, the landing and launch numbers. Yeah of the space missions of like, kind of like how you get John Glenn into space and then how you bring him back down safely. Yeah. And so that's what she was doing. And then Mary Jackson, Janelle Monae's character was an engineer and well, she she wanted to be an engineer. Yeah. She wanted to be an engineer and she was working. I also really love this moment. She was working her boss with a Polish Jew. Yeah. And he had that really great moment where she was kind of like talking about the limitations she has as a black woman working in this field and he has that moment of like i'm a polish jew and this is very shortly after world war ii and just kind of the way that they could bond over that um and so her thing is she has to go to school to get classes to apply to become an engineer et cetera, et cetera. but the only school that offers it is a white school and the and segregated that and virginia hasn't de- virginia hasn't desegregated yet so she has to get a court order 
um, to go there. And there's a, a brilliant moment where she was talking to the judge about being the first and how the judge was the first. She researched the judge and she said, you're the first man to go to college in your family. You're the first man to become a judge. Like, um, let me be the first because we, I can't do this alone. I need your help. Like she was using his privilege to help herself, which yeah. I thought was a brilliant moment in the movie. Which is great. I also really loved her moment with her husband because like her husband was very kind of passionate about civil rights oh, yeah. and everything. But like there was clearly friction between them and what she was doing at NASA. And I love that moment at the end. She does eventually wins her court order and she gets to go to school and her husband, they have this really great kind of quiet moment where he brings her this like bundle of pencils for her to take to class and that he'll always support her mm-hmm. in doing what she needs to do. Yeah, there was just a lot of like support within the community in this film, which felt really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then so Dorothy Vaughn, Octavia Spencer's character, like Willoughby mentioned, she was kind of in charge of what they called the colored computers. Um, in that she was leading all these women and everything, but she wasn't a supervisor, so she wasn't getting a supervisor pay. She didn't have the supervisor title. And it was very frustrating her. She had applied to be a supervisor and had been shot down. And they bring in the new IBM computers. And you see all these white men, like, struggling to figure out how to work it. And she goes in one day when no one's in there, like, without permission. And she, like, gets it to work. Which is really great. Um, And so she determines to kind of learn how to work the computer herself, including going to a library with her sons and stealing a book. Because it's in the white section and they won't let her take it out. And so she steals it. And her kids are like you stole that. And she's like, I'm a taxpayer. Like I paid for this library. Like technically I paid for it. Yeah. I thought that was, <laughs> which a great is so too. great. And she learned how to work the computer and they hire her working the IBM program. And she gets to bring all her women with her. And she becomes a supervisor by like taking the initiative and having that conviction to accomplish this. And it's just so inspiring. So I like that they kind of gave each woman like her moment to shine throughout the film oh yeah definitely um i I would say that they they focused the most on katherine johnson's character um or no uh taraji p henson's character katherine johnson um and then uh like they had a flash like the they only had one flashback or which began the movie which was of when katherine johnson's parents were trying to figure out you know which school to, to put her into um, because she's so smart and so brilliant um, at such a young age, um, and so and they, like they didn't have flashbacks for Janelle Monae's character or uh, Octavia Spencer's character either. So um, it, it it was clear that the filmmakers wanted to focus the most on uh, Katherine Johnson, but um, Mary and Dorothy also got their just um, their due. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I liked the way that they all played off each other. Like they, you know, they had the, 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 the opening scene in the, uh, in the car and they're trying to fix the car. And she, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like, you know, the cop comes by and he gives them, he, he ends up giving them an escort to NASA and, uh, it was so good. Such a, such a a fun moment. They all had very distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. And were, like, fleshed out. I mean, they are based on real people, of course. But, like, right. I think the movie did a good job at, like, really 
kind of bringing them to life in that way. And I thought Janelle Monet stole the scene in every scene she was in. Agreed. Uh, I can't wait for her to do more things. Also agreed. She is what? wonderful. Yeah, and she's like a trained actress too, so this is like her first foray into um, movies. She really loves sci-fi, and so I'm hoping that she'll do some sci-fi projects, because we also yeah. need more women of color in sci-fi. Yeah, and she was talking about how uh, and Sam Esmail is doing a, uh, a Metropolis reboot miniseries, and she wants to be in that too. Which she totally should be. Yeah, she should be, because she d- she's based off... She based three albums off of the Metropolis movie. Which is uh, amazing. And, yeah, like she told the story of like... I mean, it's not the same story. It's not like she did like a an opera to Fritz Lang's Metropolis, but she like, <laughs> based, based a lot of ideas off of that movie. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Uh, although I would love to see a robot opera. <laughs> I would all... That would be awesome. Yeah. I would um, super down with that. And I loved all the actresses had such great chemistry with each other. And you could, yeah. it, you could tell that these characters had known each other for a while, that the, the actresses had such great chemistry that you could tell that they were like great friends. Um, and immediately from the first scene. Yeah, no, totally. They worked really well together and it was so, it was such a joy to watch them. Like I just remember just having a smile on my face, just watching them. That's the thing is this movie just brings a lot of joy I remember in that first scene that you were talking about, the flashback, when you see Catherine as a little girl, and, like, immediately I leaned over to my friend that I was seeing it with, and I was like, this movie's gonna be so important for little girls to see. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited about that. Yeah. It's just gonna be really wonderful for them to go see a movie and, like, see themselves in this film. And, you know, it's also really great because there's the ongoing discussion about women in science and in programs like STEM and the discrimination that they face to this day in those fields. And so this movie just is important on a variety of levels. Yeah, I agree. Um, did you like Marshall Ali in this movie as well? Because he was adorable. I thought he, he was great. He's playing such a different character than I saw him in Moonlight from different in Luke Cage. Like, he's such a versatile actor. He really and is. I'm ver- and I'm very glad to see him, like, play this, like, you know, like, hometown hero. Yeah, he was um, um, a military guy in this film. Yeah, and he can't, he's back from, uh, it wouldn't be Vietnam, probably just stationed away, but now he's back. Um, and... I loved, like, the subplot of their romance. It was so, like, cute and adorable. Yeah, he he um, he um played, I forget his first name, but Mr. Johnson. So the guy who yeah. Catherine ends up marrying. Catherine's a widow at the start of the film, and she has three young daughters. Um, and she meets Mahershala Ali's character, and they sort of have this romance in the film. And it's very sweet. Yeah, but it's also great because she also, t- like, tells him, like, like, gives him a lesson on sexism. And because he's like, he was talking about like, oh, I didn't realize women could, you know, do this or something. She stopped him from keeping, from keep talking. Yeah. uh, Basically saying like, listen, women can do whatever men can do, if not better. Yes, exactly. Um, Which I personally believe in too, so. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And Um, he proposed at the end of the film, like at dinner with Catherine's mom and her daughters. And it's just very sweet. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to kind of see that these women 
you know, we're juggling such busy lives and kind of finding happiness in all avenues of their life and, you know, how much they work and the sacrifices that they make. It was all really, I feel like the movie just did a really good job to show kind of what these women went through and what they accomplished um, by the end. And it was really great at the end when it showed that Katherine Johnson and Herschel Ali's character, Mr. Johnson, forget his first name, um, that they are still married to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Obama, uh, President, former President Obama uh, gave uh, her oh, a uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah. Uh, which was really great. And that they recently named a, a building at NASA after her. Yeah, just last year. Yeah. Which is so, so great. I'm, I'm really glad... I'm glad this story is being told. Agreed. Uh, but it's it's really interesting watching the right stuff because the scene where he has, uh, they think that his shoot opened up, uh, They I, I've seen the right stuff, which is the movie made in the, in the early 80s with um, Ed Harris as John Glenn. And it tells yeah. the story of how uh, they get to um, get into space. It's basically the, the uh, like, the point of view from the astronauts um, yeah. uh, of the same story that is being told in hidden figures, but Catherine Johnson is not in the right stuff. Uh, like she does not help with the mathematics. She's not a character. Like there's no mention of her. So I thought that was a very weird thing. Cause I had recently re- watched the right stuff because yeah. John Glenn passed away. And then I saw hidden figures. I'm like, Ooh, they did not show her. In the right yeah, stuff, and movie apparently, like in the eighty-two, eighty-three. Yeah, and what's interesting is that about, especially about that, I didn't know that. But John Glenn, he was adorable in this film. First off, like he was just delightful. Played and, by Glenn Powell of Everybody Wants Some and Scream yeah, Queens. He's delightful, and apparently, from everything I've read and interviews I've listened to, he was that kind of kind and generous um as a human being and um i read somewhere that in that last scene where he kind of like the numbers might be off he says like get that girl that really smart girl like if she says the numbers are right i trust her apparently that really happened he really did say that yeah it seems it seems it seems like something that is contrived for hollywood but no that's an actual event yeah and so it just seems odd that like that he did have this faith in her and that they would kind of leave her out of the right stuff. Yeah. Although to be, to be fair to John Glenn, he didn't like the right stuff as, as well. Like he thought that they had, they had, they had made him too much of a hero and the other six of the, um, uh, the Mercury seven too much like partiers. Like he did not like the portrait. He did not like the movie. Um, so he seemed like such a great guy. No, he, I mean, he is. Like, that's the thing is, like, he was like, listen, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big of a hero as the, this movie is making me out to be. Yeah. Do you know if but he saw But it's funny that figures? the right, the right, sorry? Do you know if he saw Hidden Figures before he passed away? That's a good question. I do not know. I hope um, he did. It's possible he did, but he probably got a private screening before he passed away. That's what I'm thinking. Um, because he definitely passed away before the, before the movie premiered. Yeah, I just hope he um, got a screening of it. That would be great, because I think that if like you said, like the things that happen that he does in this movie 
did happen in real life. So that would be, I think, more true to his... I think he would hopefully appreciate that more than the right stuff. Um, Agreed. Because I, I, I remember I was reading up on his Wikipedia page, and they get to the part where the right stuff is made as a film, and he, did, he didn't like that movie. Um, so I hope he did... I, I hope he got to see Hidden Figures, and I hope he liked it. Me too. Me too. But yeah, so the movie was full of just really great characters... I think kind of across the board, I like that they weren't kind of afraid to go there with some of the white characters and show how they treated these women and that the women called them out. It was yeah. really wonderful to see. Um, it's really funny when you listen to like, especially like older, like white audiences and they're like, Kevin Costner was so great. <laughs> and you're like, Okay, well, like you, you you would think that you would think that old white people. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So I think we loved all the characters in the film, and the acting is phenomenal. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to get any Oscar nominations, but I hope that there's some Oscar love for them on Tuesday. I would like so. Um, I would like that a lot. Um, what did you think of the soundtrack? Because it was Pharrell and Hans Zimmer. I think I think someone else. I can't remember that. But what did you think of? The I can't remember. I thought. I mean, it's clearly anachronistic. Like it's not it's not music from the '60s, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, I thought it it it, it helped. Yeah, the, me too. The tone of the movie. It helped uh, the tone of the movie a lot. Yeah. No, I agree. It was it was a fun soundtrack. Um. So yeah, I think there could be some Oscar nominations in their future. Um, that's I hope come so. Out on Tuesday, so. I think we'll I think we'll if find it, out. it what I would I think the most I would like that I think is the most probable that could happen would be a, Janelle Monae getting an, an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, I think it's going to be Octavia Spencer. You think Octavia Spencer would get it? Yeah, I think it'll be uh, Taraji. I think my pre- I was just going to say my I think my my preference would be Janelle Monae. But I could also see Octavia Spencer getting it, too. Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, I love Janelle Monet, And like we've talked about, I'm so excited for her film career. Um, I think Octavia Spencer had more Oscar-y moments oh, definitely. in the film. Um, and the Academy likes her. Yeah. You know, she's been nominated before. Has she won an Oscar? I want to say she has. She won for The Help, right? Yeah, hold on. Let me. Um, Taraji B. Henson could get a leading actress nomination, but that category is pretty crowded. Yeah, she won Best Supporting Actress in 2012 for The Help. Yeah. So, yeah, so she could get one. Taraji B. Henson could get one. Music could get one. Um, but the categories are pretty crowded right now, so we'll see on Tuesday. Yeah. Also, fun fact is that. Hidden Figures was the first multi-female lead film to stay number one at the box office for at least two weekends since The Help. With also Octavia Spencer. Yes. Um, Um, Which is like, it's really great that Hidden Figures did that, but it also makes me sad kind of realizing how few movies we get that have like more than one female lead and that do well. And that in like two weeks overall isn't really a great record. Yeah, which I mean, is a bummer. Most but like, films typically but like, only stay one at like 
two weeks, maybe three if it's really good. Yeah, like obviously if it's a blockbuster juggernaut, it's going to be in the and there's no other blockbuster juggernauts. That will be the movie for a while. Um, but it knocked out Star Wars out of first place. It did. Which, as so, much as we're big Star Wars fans, I was kind of excited about that. Oh yeah, no, me too. I'm like this. That's the, then that this is that's a deserving loss oh, yeah. for Star Wars. So you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's like it's one of those it's one of those weird things where like the accomplishments that Hidden Figures has achieved so far is so exciting and it deserves it so much, but it also just highlights how much more work we need to do. In terms of like female-led films and female narratives, and especially about women of color, and that there's still a long way to go before they kind of have these accomplishments more regularly. And like it was yeah. like there was a thing done last about last year and how like the amount of female directors went down from 2015, and that women only spoke like 27% of the lines in all the major films of last year. Oof. And it just really kind of, when you see the numbers, it really highlights that progress is very slow. Yeah. Oh, speaking of numbers, I think what was, this is a very interesting thing that I didn't realize was that they, before computers were computers, people were computers. Yep. Like, they used the term computer to... That was a job title. Yeah. Like, that was something I didn't realize, was that to compute was something that people did before an IBM machine. Like, yeah. they didn't call it... I noticed that in the movie, they never called the IBM computer a computer. They called it an IBM. They called it the machine. They, they did everything they could to differentiate the fact that they were still calling people computers back then. Yeah. Which I never realized it. Until this movie. So this movie is a revelation on numerous levels. Yep. Absolutely. It's yep. definitely it puts things into perspective. For sure. Very much so. Um, but I'm really glad we have it. And I'm glad that it's been received so well. And that it's such a joy to watch. Um, you know, and it explores really important themes. Which we've started to touch on. Um... But what did you think of how it handled all of its larger themes? I think it handled it all well. I think, you know, this is a movie that's going to have themes and they're going to be explicit. And I think that they did a good job of not making it over explicit, if that makes any sense. Like it wasn't like there's some there are movies like this that are Oscar movies about historical events that really kind of shove the themes down your throat. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this movie did that. Um, but the themes were there and I, I loved the way that they, you know, it, it was all kind of in the background until it was in the foreground and then it went back. Like, like the, the racism was clearly like bad. Um, but the characters still found joy in their lives. Like they could, they still were able to, you know, have barbecues and go to church and deal with the racism in their work, workplace and, overcome it as much as they could yeah and i thought i thought that they did a good job of weaving that in and out um and not being like making kevin costner like an overt white savior or making you know 
they could have th- this story could have only been about Tarashi B. Henson's character, um, but they included Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson to show that a racism comes in different forms, and b overcoming racism also comes in different forms. Yeah, and you could do it through the you could do it through the court. You could do it through your own means. You could do it just by solving computers. Yeah, like I liked how explicit the themes were, and mm-hmm. that they weren't afraid to kind of make them explicit and they, you yeah. know, they weren't afraid of having to try and be subtle. Cause they were like, you know, why should we have to, which I really appreciated. Um, but they were still handled with a lot of skill in terms of like the storytelling and, you know, you could, there could have been like a moment between Jim Parsons character, Paul Stafford, which every time it was like, do you have the numbers, Paul? Paul, Paul, what's the question, Paul? Paul, like it was, I was like, you can make a drinking game out of how many times they do that in this film. Um, but near the end, I was like starting to kind of get anxious that there was going to be some moment between Paul and Catherine D. Johnson of like an apology or something, like some emotional Hollywood moment. And I'm really glad there wasn't. Yeah. Like they kind of avoided all the pitfalls of kind of feel-good, inspirational Hollywood movie. Like, they had those moments, but they weren't as kind of, like, saccharine as they could have been. Yeah. It it was much... They were more realistic, too. Yeah, and, like, the fact that there is kind of a lack of narratives around people of color, like, they deserve these inspirational moments that white people have benefited from for decades. Yeah. So, you know, I like how proud this movie was. It made me feel very excited. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have any final thoughts on the film or anything else you want to discuss about it? Um, Just that everybody should go see it while it's still in theaters. And then when it's on demand and blu-ray buy it and willoughby will know exactly when that is because willoughby is like the master of all of that stuff i've been waiting for arrival to get a release date for blu-ray and it's february 10th i feel like you should put this on your resume like this should be one of your skills is like knowing where to stream movies and release dates and like when they're on demand like this should be a skill on your resume yeah and the thing is this is a skill just because i watch tv and internet stream things consistently and so i'm always i'm always like oh this movie's available oh this movie's available so like i don't know just it's pretty cool that like i mean i could go to google and ask all these questions or i could go to you yeah so like why google when you can willoughby exactly yeah i think that's a good place to end the episode (laughs) why google when you can willoughby we're not going to end the episode because we still have one more segment and what's that segment anya our final segment of every week. I really, really, really like you. But I need to tell you something. Alright, Willoughby. What are you really liking this week? I recently bought Legend of Korra, the complete series, on Blu-ray. Which is great, because Amazon Prime, speaking of streaming things, <laughs> Amazon Prime only has the first three seasons available. For Prime streaming. 
for Legend of Korra. You have to buy the you have to buy the fourth season, and I'm like the, the that show the fourth season's been out for two years now. I think it deserves to be on Prime. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not gonna wait around if I want to rewatch the series. I'm not gonna go to Nick.com because a that website is atrocious. You can't watch anything like. God forbid you have an ad blocker because that website just will not work. Yeah. Because there's like a thousand ads. Everything you click on is an ad. Um, so I bought the Blu-ray and I'll show Anya. This is what it looks like. It's really cool. The cover art. That it's is got, super uh, cool. Korra in the, uh, in the Avatar state. Um, so I, and then to yesterday, um, after the Women's March was over, I, after watching that on the, the live stream, I watched the first season. The re- I rewatched the first season of Korra, um, and I was I was realizing that the Equalists are pretty much Trump supporters. So yeah. there's that. It's such a good series, uh, though. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get to season four because I'd only watched season four uh, because on my phone or my laptop because uh, it it wasn't on cable because they took it off cable. Yeah. They only showed season four on 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 demand and on TV, on their website, so I'm excited to see it in full blown glorious high definition. I so yeah, Legend of Korra, great, great series. If you haven't watched it, if you've only seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, this is a solid follow up. It really that is. expands on the themes and characters, and and the animation is just as great, if not better. Um, I think there's some wonderful like there's so many like like frames in this show that could be backgrounds that could be wallpapers that could be desktop computers so it's it's a beautiful series and it's so fantastic and i can't wait for um the blu-ray release of the avatar last airbender which hopefully comes out soon those series are really great because it kind of they kind of really get to why i'm passionate about animation and that animation is far more than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And that it can be for like, d- children and adults alike, and it can really explore mature themes. I didn't watch Avatar The Last Airbender when it aired. I watched it when I was on Netflix and I was in college, and I really regret not watching it when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, same. I didn't watch it till I was older either. Yeah. So. So, and our, our, our dear comrade, HT, was the one who told me to watch it. On Netflix. I'm so not surprised. Props to her. Yep. Alright, so since HT isn't here, I have Are you gonna talk about K pop? Oh my god, that would be really funny because I know like nothing about K pop. I should just be like, I really like no. K pop and just try and like <laughs> BS my way through it. Um no, I was gonna say I have two things. Oh. <laughs> so I'm, okay, so tech, I would have one thing, but she's not here, so we would normally have three things. So my having two things. Oh. It's three, right? But also. Also, she's not here she's, to reprimand she, me. Yeah, so. But it's also because I have one pop culture related thing and one not pop culture. Because basically, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Women's March yesterday and how incredible it was and inspirational to see the marches across the country and across the world. There were so many yeah. in other countries. All seven continents had a march. At least one. Wait, Antarctica had one too? Yeah. <gasps> there was one in Antarctica. That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's incredible. Yeah, they, were, they, they marched with the penguins. Oh my god. That's amazing. 
Yeah. So I just wanted look to look it up. Uh, BuzzFeed did an article about that, it. It's I'm gonna great. look that up. Uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out because it was really inspiring to see, and everyone felt a lot of hope, and it was the turnout was phenomenal. I think it was. I think they've been saying it was like the biggest turnout protest in American history, which yep. is awesome. Um, so I just wanted to give sort of a quick shout out to the Women's March. Um, but no, my really like for this week is The Good Place, which had its finale this week, first season finale, and it blew my mind. It's so funny, like HD called it a while ago, you said you weren't really surprised. Meanwhile, I was sitting here watching the finale with like my jaw on the floor. Maybe it's because HT and I are more cynical than you. And we were like, this can't be. Probably. Like, the good place. There's something up with this and, good like, place. And, like, I knew that, like, like, I mean, and the show was really good about putting twists and turns throughout the season. Yeah. Um, but I think what this did is it, is it revealed kind of how this show could go for multiple seasons. Because I know one of the questions throughout the first season was, like, how can this concept last for more than one season? That was my con. That was my gripe with the show, and I was like, "How is this not just a movie? Like, this is a little yeah." Weird. Meanwhile, me being the ever optimistic person that I was, and also loving Mike Sure, was just like, "Trust Mike Sure, like blah blah blah." <laughs> like in Mike Sure, I trust um, right. him and Brian Fuller. Um, so the Good Place finale was so great. NBC better renew it because I need a season two. Um, NBC does have a habit of renewing sitcoms, even if they don't have great ratings, which this show does not. Um, yeah, but they also have a habit of delaying everything. True. Like, like they'll be like, Community gets a season three, but you're not gonna, you're gonna have to wait five years true, for it. True, true. But I feel like they also have a relationship with Mike Sure. Oh yeah, now, now they do. With like, The Office and, and, and Parks and Rec, so like. I kind of yeah. hope they won't screw. I mean, they screwed over the last season of Parks and Rec. So we'll see. Um, but it's also a critical darling. And The Good Place has been one of the most innovative new shows of the season. And kind of unlike anything else on TV right now. And so I'm just really into it. And I want the season two. The cast is so great. And... The diversity is really wonderful, and the storytelling is great, and I just really love The Good Place, and if you haven't watched it, go check it out. The first season is done now. It's all on Hulu. So yeah, so you can just binge. With extended episodes. See, I told you, Willoughby knows everything. Resume skill, man. Um, So go watch it if you haven't, because it's super great, and maybe you'll have your mind blown by the finale like I did. So yeah, it's very much like a movie twist. Yeah. Like, it's something I would imagine being, like, in a Christopher Nolan movie. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, like I think I kind of called some of the stuff that was going on, but I was still enjoying what I was watching. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it didn't, like, like Westworld fan theories ruined the mo- that show okay. for me. Because they were too on the spot. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But with Good Place, I was like, this is fun. Oh, my it's God. It's so fun. Um, so yeah, so yeah. I'm super into this. Um, so yeah, so that's what I really like this week. And that is our episode. So if you guys have seen Hidden Figures and want to come talk to us about that, you definitely should. Same with if you love Avatar or The Legend of Korra or The Good Place, or if you were at the march yesterday, let us know about it. And where can they do that, Willoughby? 
You can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We have a blog, millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're also on iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you, Anya? You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter. You can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. And you can find HT at HTranBooey on Twitter. All right, that's our episode, guys. Bye! Bye!